0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, if you will. Uh, we are starting a new series. I'm so excited about it. It's called Under Construction. The main idea of this series is this question. We are all under construction. Every single one of us, we're all under construction. But what kind of life do you want to build? What kind of life do you Want to build, and so uh, we're going to be exploring a passage of scripture that is known as the Sermon on the Mount, and it's from Matthew five to chapter uh, to the end of, whoop, where'd it go? Uh, in chapter five, six, and seven, it's the most probably um, other than John three sixteen which Tim Tebow has helped make famous, right? Uh, But but other than John John 3.16, the Sermon on the Mount is probably the most uh, pivotal, influential passage of Scripture um, that there is. Actually, it's probably even more uh, influential than John 3.16 in the teaching. What the Sermon on the Mount actually is, is... Um, there's two different theories that uh, Bible scholars have about John 3.16. It's either the disciples are taking the different messages of Jesus, all the different sermons that he preached, and kind of condensing them into bite-sized forms, into one thing. So it's the cliff notes of the greatest hits of Jesus, if you will. Okay, This is his best of album. Or um, the, the other option is that this is his stump speech, that where, when Jesus sat down to start teaching, this is what he preached every time. And just went and he he just preached the same thing over again, which probably is more accurate than being the greatest hits album, because uh, Jesus is always thinking, always thinking, how do I train these disciples to do this later? And so he is teaching that same thing over and over again. He's teaching it. He bring it again, bring it again, because the point would be and and some of the ways in which this would happen is Jesus sits down and 5000 people show up. Well, I have this handy-dandy microphone that really helps me. I could, I could probably preach. I know I could preach in this room without the microphone. I could do it. Thank you, my father, for my loud voice. But that's, um, that's just what I could do. I could do pretty, I can do probably two or three sides of this room just because of the way I can project. Kelly will tell you I'm loud. It is what it is. Um, but Jesus is doing that for four or 5,000 people. Actually, sometimes the numbers might be 15,000 because they didn't usually count uh, women and children in the numbers when they're doing the head count. So what does that mean? Do you automatically go, eh, that didn't happen? Or do you go, what what else happened? Well, Jesus would position himself on a lake. And if you've ever uh, been on a lake and you said something and you're like, wow, they could hear me out in the boat out there. Better not talk about them. Uh, So uh, like the lake just reverberates the acoustics. He also all around the Sea of Galilee are these natural God-made amphitheaters. They look just like the amphitheaters that the Greek would, Greeks would make out of stone. God just kind of put a thumbprint or whatever there and made these natural ones. And so it's much easier for, to leverage the acoustics of the lake, the acoustics of the, the, la- the land to uh, project his voice. And then the other thing that probably was happening is Jesus would teach. And like <clears throat> we teach with um, maybe an interpreter or whatnot, he would teach. And the disciples would be about four or five hundred people back and they would listen. OK, the next thing goes now. And they would preach what Jesus just preached. So to do that, you know what Jesus just pre- You have to know the material. Right. You have to be able to project that. And so you kind of have this daisy chain effect. But instead of them like, oh, what was Jesus saying? They know it by the, you know, the fifteen hundred time they'd heard it to 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 speak it. And so they bring that down. They put it into the Gospels. And that's where we get the Sermon on the Mount. And so those are two kind of competing theories. I prescribe, since I talked for 10 minutes on the second one, you know which one I believe. But um, it doesn't really matter. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Um, And that's probably how Jesus communicated these amazing truths. The Sermon on the Mount is really the boiling down, the uh, the condensation, there we go. Close enough. Um, making up words this morning, and it's really the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, kind of squished, right, dehydrated in a way in which you just get the goodies, right? You you get what the true meaning and meat of the first five of all these laws and all this the stuff that's in the back or the front part of the, the Bible. Jesus is boiling that down, and he says, "Listen, listen, listen, listen. I'm not here." He starts off the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not here to tear away the law to get rid of the old stuff. I'm here to fulfill it. And so maybe in what he's looking at this, you guys have gotten this a little bent. You've gotten a little skewed. You've, you've, you've stepped away from it. You've gotten out of alignment. And so here we, here we go. Here we go. We go. I'm just going to bring that here. I'm going to bring it here. Bring it here. These are the cliff notes. This is what you've got to get in your head. These are the things that these are going to be the blueprints for your life. This is how you've got to be, uh, be and live. And you've got to interpret it this way. So this is the extremely important stuff. So I want to give a homework assignment for as long as we're doing uh, the series under construction. I want you to l- read either uh, the Sermon on the Mount found in Luke or the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew each week. It's only three chapters. I'm pretty sure you can handle that. Um, you should be just, just read it once a week and get familiar with these things, because they are, they are seriously the blueprints of what following Christ looks like. Just, just dive into that. The rest of the New Testament, if you, if you examine Paul's writing, you examine the other writers, Peter, all the guys in the back part of the New Testament, they're really stepping into one little theme of the Sermon on the Mount. They'll just pick like one verse and they're like, okay, we're just going to talk about anger. We're just going to talk about lust. We're just going to talk about uh, greed. We're just going to talk about, we're just going to these little be things. We're going to use a whole book to explain this one little thing that Jesus is dropping on people um, in the sermons, uh, in, in the Sermon on the Mount. So that's what's going on. We're all under construction. What kind of life do you want to build? And we're going to take our passage today from the very ending. I'm going to start the series by talking about the very ending of the Sermon on the Mount. They didn't teach me to do that in in seminary. Uh, I just made that one up. And there's probably a reason they teach you not to do that, but that's what we're going to go do, do today. We're going to talk about the very end of it. Um, Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and the beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers in the law. So what he's talking about is setting the foundation of our life. How do we figure out who we are? How should we align everything so that that we can stand against the storms of life? Now, our, our country has been accosted by these tremendous storms in the last couple of weeks. we got all kinds of natural disasters going on in our country. We have all kinds of natural disasters actually happening all over the world, but um, we get very America-centric um, and only pay attention to the ones that affect us. But there is, there's stuff happening all over the world. Um, there are crazy, crazy, crazy kinds of storms. And you see the destruction that happens when your house or a building is not built properly. Like the the homes that are going to survive the storms in Florida have a whole lot different codes and regulations uh, for them than the poor storms that were in Indonesia or the houses that were in Indonesia that got hit by a storm. Those are two totally different uh, frames of ways of making houses. One's built uh, in a way in which it can withstand those things. The other ones are kind of they will go away and you'll build up another one probably the same exact way just because they don't have access to the things that we do. But you get you get to see this this horrible tragedy happening, and I'm, I'm please don't hear me making light of that or taking even advantage of the of that that setting. Uh, I picked this message way before the storms were even happening. But that is a clear indication of what happens when you build your home on a rock when you build your home on sand. And, and I'm, I'm trying, I'm, please don't hear, hear my heart. I'm not trying to leverage the, the horrible things that are happening there. But that's what happens in our own hearts and our own lives when we build our lives on stuff that's just sand and it gets, hits the hard things of life and it just... Pfft. But how do we build our lives in such a way that we're on solid rock? We're all under construction. What kind of lives do you want to build? We're all under construction. The Sermon on the Mount is the blueprint of how we should build our homes. It really goes through a bunch of different life issues. Um, Sometimes we look at the Bible and we go, oh, this, this seems so out of touch to me. I don't understand the context. I don't know how I could grab a hold of this. The Sermon on the Mount is timeless truths. You could be an alien from... 3,000 A.D. I'm not saying there's A.D. aliens. We're not getting into that discussion. But um, you could be, come here in 1,000 years from now, the truths of the Sermon on the Mount will be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty impressive stuff. You could have gone back 5,000 years before Jesus, and he could have given this message, and you would have been like, oh, yeah, that, that's, that, that's, that's pretty powerful things. You know? The Sermon on the Mount touches on issues of our lives, lays out the blueprints for us on episodes like this. How to have love without lust, how to have marriage without divorce, how to have mercy instead of revenge, how to speak with integrity, how to love those who hate you, how to use money instead of being controlled by it. Like we can all relate to those. At least three of them. You're like, yep, yep, yep. Other ones, I'm good with that one. I'm good. I'm good with that. I don't have any money, Jared, so it can't control me. You know, but we uh, we there's there's different things where we're like, oh wow, okay, that speaks directly to me in this moment. There's other things, little things like you know, not judging people. That's that's in there. No one struggles with that, right? We don't we don't deal with that issue. But how do we speak with integrity? How do we love our enemies? This is stepping into the blueprints of how we're supposed to structure our life. And so as we explore the Sermon on the Mount, as we, we, we dive into it, there's a few things we need to take away, um, really from how we, how we look at the blueprints of what Jesus is teaching us this morning. Every time you get blueprints, or we have our own houses, I'm, I'm going on this metaphor of our, our life is kind of like a house a house that's been standing for a while. And we have rooms, we have walls, we have poor design choices that we need to get rid of, right? You know, it's like moving into an older home that has that nice uh, early 70s orange shag carpeting. That's three generation of kids' snot in it, and you're like, mm, that's just. I love rolling, laying on top of that shag, shag carpet, just getting nice and snugly warm. Whoa, that's disgusting, right? But we do it. We have these bad choices. You got that maroon uh, carpet in this room, and you got the the paint on the walls, and the wood paneling was a good idea one time, and you know we have all this stuff going on, and like, oh, that needs to be torn away. I watch a lot of remodeling shows. Um, it's one of those things Kelly and I can watch, and we don't. It's not a. Okay, I'm gonna suffer through this one, and, and, she, and she's gonna suffer through something for me. Always, you know, a house hunters or a, a brother versus brother or something like that. We're always like, okay, we can agree on this one. Um, and so we just go to remodeling shows. And I've, now I've done some remodeling of things, um, every room in this place, uh, but in my house and some other things we've done, but I've learned a lot of these ideas of remodeling. There's one thing that always happens. It always seems to happen to that couple uh, couple out in California. They will spec buy a house. And they go, oh, we bought this house because of this room. This room's great. And they get into that, and they realize it's not what? It's not permitted. It's not part of the blueprints. And then they find out, oh, when we open up the wall to this, this room that was never supposed to be built in the first place, it's got termites in it. It's got water damage. It's messing everything up. It's actually pulling down the whole rest of the house because of this thing that was never supposed to be here in the first place. And that happens. That's like the premise of every single show, like, I'm pretty sure that they have producers going out, where's the junkiest house we can that's getting ready to fall in and can be condemned? Let's give that to, to Tarek. He likes these things. Um, this is what goes on all the time. And, and you've probably seen these shows, and, uh, and I know I have, but you, you look at it and you go, hmm. And I started looking at those, and how much of our own lives reflect this this like this like TV show? We have things that we thought at one point was going to be a good idea. It was never in the blueprint. It was never part of the plan. It was never how we were supposed to live our life. But we've added on this three seasons room we thought would be delightful as a four season room. And now it's structurally destroying the rest of our house. It's messing up the foundation. It's it's ruining the roof. There's water coming in. And now we have a choice. I got to do something with it. But Jared, it's, we have to have that room because it's a bedroom. Yes, but you all are having allergies to the mold that's growing in there. It's literally killing your family but we got to have that extra bedroom it's the problem we do the same thing in our we've built those rooms in our own life and we've built these walls we've we've made these choices that they were never designed in there to be in the first place we have stances of things jared if i if i get rid of that anger if i get rid of that frustration, if I get rid of this part of me, I don't know who I am anymore. That's okay. Get back to the blueprint and you can find out who you really always could be. I got some tools up here. Paul brought for me today. I have a sledgehammer. This is an amazing tool for home remodeling. It's an amazing tool for home remodeling. And some of you look at this And you, if you saw if you saw this, it's okay. I bought a new one this week. Um, (laughs) So, uh, if you saw this in your in your wife's hands, you would be running out the door uh, because probably you did something. But if you saw this, you know, you saw this in someone's hands in your home or even in your own home, you're like, I I, I can't pick that up. I'm going to crush a toe. I'm going to hurt something. I'm going to, whatever. I can't I can't do with that. That's too scary, Jared. But this is the right tool for the job. To destroy a wall effectively, you need this. Your other option, if you do not like a big heavy hammer, is even scarier. This is called a sawzall or a reciprocating saw, which um, for some reason my iPhone did not like me typing out that. And Paul's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'll type it out. really." Anyway, I was just going to send him a picture, bring this to church. Um, but this is even scarier, right? Especially Paul's cause he's like rewired it. He probably put more power on it. It's like, uh, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> uh, so this, this is reciprocating wrong. What this does well is tear out nails. The things that you can't get out with this, this will cut. Right? You can change out the blades. You can do all kinds of stuff. This is not an ad for reciprocating sauce. Um, this is really, really, really scary. Right, This thing is, is scary. It can cut your leg off. Like, it is built to cut things that aren't supposed to be cut, like slices through nails, slices through timber. It is really cool and really scary all at the same time. In fact, it's so scary that I was 17 years old, and my, uh, room, or my, my best friend... Uh, was doing a remodeling of their kitchen and so his father comes over to me and says jared come here i want want you to play with this power tool he hands me a reciprocating saw he says i want you to cut along this door frame right here i'm gonna do this it's like okay Mm -hmm. i'm 17 years old playing with one of these things (laughs) this is awesome get it done it's like okay anything else he's like no that's good okay all right, gave him back the sauce. Like, why did I do that? Not your son. His son's fuming mad, saying, right here, I wanted to play with the power tool. He's like, I didn't care if you cut your leg off. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Mr. Golf, you jerk. Uh, so, uh, but this is what we, that's a true story, by the way. That is 100% true. Um, here we go. You got to get these scary tools to do the big jobs. Often, we go to this time where we're like, we need to knock down some walls. We're like, you know what? They'll just pick this hammer. Because if I, just, if I hit the wall with this hammer, I can put a picture over it. Right? We don't want to fully commit to the remodeling. We're like, eh, tip. Right? Okay, just put some spackling over that. It's a little dry. No. A little poster. No poster in the world is going to save you when you start knocking things down with this. Do you see the difference? We get we get that way, right? We 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 see an issue. We see a room. We see a see a, an addition to our our home of our life, to the the rooms of our life. We say, you know, I built that wall. It's cool. It's not doing anything for me right now. It's the wall of anger, and I just losing my temper all the time. And I just, you know, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna count to ten. That's how I'm gonna deal. Woosa, uh, you know, put on some. Some calming music. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do these things. When actuality, something as big and life controlling as anger, as a temper issue, it needs a bigger attitude adjustment. And we have to be willing to grab on to the bigger tools and say, you know what, I'm going to demolish that instead of keep on going back to the nice little safe things. We're all under construction. What kind of life do you want to build? I'm uncomfortable with this. Some of you are uncomfortable with me having this right now. Uh, I'm uncomfortable with swinging a sledgehammer. I, I I am because I know the destructive capabilities that can have. Like Paul was telling me a, a story of get his his brother getting hit in the head with one of these. We'll leave that as a different time. But um, <laughs> but just, you know, think about that, that's this can hurt somebody. But it also has amazing potential to clear out the rubbish, to take it out. It's so the very first thing you got to do when you when you uh, you start a building project. is what first thing you do is figure out the plan that what you want. We got that in the blueprint, the Sermon of the Mount. What do I want my life to look like? I want my life to look like I want it to look like where I get to forgive people. I can have mercy. I'm not controlled by anger anymore. And then you got to do some remodeling. you got to do some removing. you got to do some tearing away. And these are the tools in which to do that with. We're all under construction. What kind of life do you want to build? As we look at the blueprint, as we, we delve into the Sermon on the Mount for the next several weeks, <clears throat> there's some amazing benefits of getting into the blueprint. First is this, following the blueprint provides stability. Following the blueprint provides stability. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice. is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. I'm going to read that a couple more times today, so it's not a mistake. I I wanted to continue to come back to the same passage. Because this idea of how do we build a secure, a a good house, a house that's not going to fall over. Following the blue print provides stability. I could build a house. There's a, uh, I really want to build this one thing in my backyard, but I really, 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 really don't want to dig the holes to pour cement in to have footers for everything. It's like one of my things. I don't like, I don't know why it would take me an hour to do what I need to do, but I've put off this big project because I don't want to dig footers for this, for this big thing. You know what happens when you don't dig footers for a big project you're going to have over your house? In about two years, three years, it's cute for that one year, that two years. But if I don't take the time to reset the foundation, to, to dig footers for this thing, a footer is a, you dig a hole and you pour cement in and then you stick a piece of wood in that, okay? Um, if I don't do that, I don't have the stability to last against uh, the nice, you know, the, the mild Chicago winds, right? Like if you don't, we, we, when we moved into the house, we had this nice pergola over this landscape feature in our backyard. We, we bought it in what, March? When we moved in in April, that thing was sitting at a 45-degree a- a- angle. A week later, it's on the ground in the back of our backyard. And went out there, I pulled it up. There's no footers. I just put some pressure-treated wood into the ground and said, have a nice day. It didn't work. Often, we get in our own, when we start building our lives around what we want, it's like building our houses and our lives with something with no footers. We just whoop, put it in the ground. It was the easy way. It was quick. Ah, it'll be all right. We don't foresee the 60-mile-hour winds are going to come and beat it and blow it over. Following the blueprint provides stability. This is often what I think of when I think of stepping back into um, the Scripture and using the scripture, scripture as a guide for my life. Often the, when I read the Bible, I look at it, especially uh, the Sermon on the Mount, you read that and you, and you constantly are thinking of all the things you're doing wrong. In life, and you're like, oh, I don't need another guilt trip, Jared. Oh, my goodness. When we read this, it, the stability factor doesn't sound fun, right? No one wants to talk about, Ooh, I poured a great foundation today. It's gorgeous. When we remodeled the basement, if you haven't got a chance to see the basement, um, it's dramatic. We should have pictures of what it looked like before we went down there. It had, I think, 12 different rooms. I mean, it had a ton of classrooms. Um, it had some um, issues um, behind those walls. And it had some infrastructure issues that really needed to be taken care of, and so we ripped all of that out. And, it, and then we, I spent three months pulling nails and screws out of the top beams. That's all I did. Like every night I come down here. Uh, 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 they didn't trust me with anything else, so that's all I got to do is pull things and screws out of the ceiling. But we just continued to do that, continued to do that, continued to do that. It's not, that's not cool. I'd bring Kelly down. I'd be so excited. I was, oh, this is awesome. Let's look at all those things. Kelly, you were here for four hours last night, and that's what you did. Like, she never said that, but she just kind of came with a look like, I had two four year olds at home screaming their heads off. You're down here pulling screws out of the ceiling. Awesome, Jared. So next week, come see what we did. Come see what we did. Come see what we did. She's like, no, I'm just, I want to see the finished product. She's very smart. She didn't want to get mad at me or break my heart. She said, I'll, I'll come see the finished product because foundational work, it's not cool right? Well, the stuff behind the scenes, it's not, you want to see the Ikea pillows and the rugs and the finished product. That's what you want to see. You want it to, in a half an hour or less, you want, bing, here it's done. All right. You, you want to see that. You don't want to see all the structural stuff, but if you don't get the stability right, all that rest of the stuff will be gone in a second. And so many times in the issues of our life, we have said, oh, this is awesome. This is nice. This is cute. Let's go ahead and do this. And we've set ourselves up for failure in the future. Maybe that's with the way in which we view relationships. Maybe that's the way in which we've, we've parented. Maybe that's the way in which we've, uh, living our marriage. Maybe that's the way in which we, we deal with our own parents or deal with our coworkers or deal with our friends. We've taken some easy ways out that we didn't want to do the hard work. And now it's gotten us into some places that we don't ever, didn't ever want to be in. If we follow the blueprint, if we get back to the blueprint, if we do the remodeling back to the blueprint, to the original ideas, We gain something beautiful. We gain stability. Second thing uh, the blueprint does for us. Following the blueprint provides, or sorry, following the blueprint guides changes. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because it had on its foundation The rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. When you follow the blueprint, making changes is easy. When you follow the blueprint, you have it out in front of you. I have blueprints uh, here at the church of different building projects that were proposed, or they were thought they might get, or plans that were drawn up um, of really cool buildings. They have a uh, there's a drawing of a sanctuary right here. There's a drawing of a whole complex where the firehouse is. That's, that one's not going to happen because the. The firehouse is there. I'm pretty sure they're not going to tear that down for, because that used to be the church's property. If you didn't know that, um, many moons ago, and so they had different different blueprints that you find in cabinets, and I, I just love looking at them. But and then there's the blueprints for this place, and the original baptistry of this of this place is down underneath uh, Joyce Johnson on the wall in a big huge concrete thing that was fun to tear out, right? And it was down there. And then you would have all the original look of, of the different ideas. There used to be a, a prayer closet or the original pastor's office and bathroom uh, to the church, because this was an original uh, building. And subsequently, the other things have been built on, was right there. Um, just these different ideas of, of what used to be here. And, and you get to see the original intent and the original ideas of these things. When you have the blueprint, changes are easy because you could see how everything was supposed to be. Everything is supposed to be. Now, knowing what the changes are supposed to be made and actually doing them are two totally different things, right? I've had, I struggled in my whole life with a temper problem. And uh, that's not a great thing to have if you didn't know. Um, And so I struggled severely with a temper problem, especially in high school and in college and if I still struggled with that uh, temper problem, probably wouldn't have been married to Kelly. It's just, that's, that's how it was. Uh, this is something God's really done a work in my life on. And, but always coming back to that, knowing that I had a temper problem, knowing that I had anger issues, and changing, doing the things that were necessary to remodel my life for that, two totally different things, right? I can get really upset about my, the fact that I'm getting really upset. <laughs> right, I can get really upset about about those things, and so i i i've had to to work on that i've had to know what what triggers me i've had to know when I put myself in different situations what causes um those rubs I know okay, I need to remove myself from the situation and really deal why is why am I getting mad and what are the, what are the, what are these things and really do some respect because i don't want to be a guy who's angry i don't want my kids to see a a dad who's a mad dad that's that's not what I want my kids to see. It's not who my my wife, I don't want my wife ever to think, oh, Jared's going to be angry. I've had to work really, 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 really hard on that. That wasn't an overnight thing. I prayed for that for years. God, please help me in this. 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 I felt like he wasn't listening. In fact, he was just setting up my heart, setting up my heart for micro changes, micro changes, micro changes, getting back to the blueprint. And so you can get there. Am I there? Have I arrived? Absolutely not. But that room looks a whole lot better than it used to, okay? <laughs> you can ask my wife. <laughs> so, um, but there's, there's other issues. There's other things in the, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount that are big foundational issues for you. They're, they're huge rooms in your own heart that maybe you've struggled with. Are they easy? They're easy to know which ones you need to fix. It's a hard, long remodeling process. We've got to be willing, though, to take up the right tools and whack down those walls. Finally, following the blueprint enables freedom. This one I never really understood because um, I always viewed, I grew up in the church, and so viewing church is always, was always a list of do's and don'ts of what I should do, what I shouldn't do, how the church is, how Jesus is taking away my fun today, right? Uh, a lot of youth group lessons about don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, and don't you ever do this thing. Um, <clears throat> and, and and so it was always restricting me, and that's how I viewed uh, Christianity and how I viewed Jesus. Until I had the realization that if I'm following who Jesus is and I'm following what he's teaching for my life, it actually gives me a whole lot more freedom. It'll, and if, if I go back to this remodeling uh, metaphor, when you create this new room the way it's supposed to be, that's when you get to start painting the way in which you want to paint. You don't have to have fear of, of of what's going on. You can you can buy the furniture that you want. You can do the things that you want to do. You have all the freedom in the world. When, once you've gotten back to the blueprint and the way in which well, your life is supposed to be, you've got so much more freedom. You don't have to worry about, is the roof going to fall in on me if I do this thing? Is is mold going to start taking root if I do this thing? Is this thing going to cause a problem? You don't have to do that. When you've gotten back to the blueprint and back to the Sermon on the Mount, gotten a handle on lust, versus love. When you've you've turned down the walls of fear and anger and hatred, greed, the freedom is overflowing when you're not worried about how greedy you are. Like if you struggled with money in your life and the place that it has in your life, money is always an issue. You're always battling that master. Always. But as, as you take steps, to get over that and start practicing a life of generosity, and it starts to release, and you start to do the remodeling work, releasing its stranglehold on your heart. Wow, there's freedom in that. I experienced that. I didn't know I had a problem with money. Um, I thought I was doing pretty good. I'm you know, tithe and do all this stuff. I thought I was doing pretty good with that until I sold that stupid house in Georgia. Like we we just we had a house the whole time we were here in Georgia. Um, we were renting it out. It was a big stressor because always. It was, is that renter going to pay his rent so I can pay my mortgage? Because we didn't have enough money in the bank to be like, oh, sure, we'll cover it for a couple months, right? That wasn't a, that's that's not in this bank account. And and that wasn't a thing. And as soon as we sold it, it was like 100 pounds fell off my shoulders. Perry Ackerman hadn't seen me in a month. And he's like, you look different. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you look different. I was like, no, I keep on eating donuts. I'm sorry. And he said, no, 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 you just look different. And I said, well, we sold the house in Georgia. He's like, that's it. You look happier. I didn't understand I was, I was being ground into that because, the, because I'm not trying to make this into a money talk, but I was just so consumed by the stress of that. Maybe there's places like that for you and the way in which you look at your marriage, the way in which you control your temper, the way in which you have issues with forgiveness. Some of you got weights around your neck because you haven't forgiven people. Maybe they don't even deserve the forgiveness, and that's not the point. You just have to let that go. Following the blueprint enables freedom. We are all under construction. What kind of life do you want to build? We're going to be exploring this for the next bunch of weeks. They won't build on each other. Okay? Uh, you guys know how to do a, a sermon series. If you miss one, heaven forbid, uh, you'll be able to pick up the next one be totally fine. But we're going to talk about all kinds of different topics that are found in the Sermon on the Mount. So if, as you do your homework assignments and read uh, these three chapters of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, uh, you start to get a grip on what this remodeling project could look like in your own life. We're going to explore some other tools throughout this, get some fun, other fun metaphors of what that looks like. But how do we Get back to this blueprint, this beautiful idea of what Jesus wants for us, this life that he has for us, this fulfillment of the whole Bible found in three chapters. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for teaching us. God, we ask you for the guidance. We ask you for the courage. Lord, I ask you for courage for myself to be able to to see and take action on the things that need to be remodeled in my life. Lord, I thank you for the victories that I've had. Lord, I bring you my struggles every day. And Lord, for the things that are beating me down, I lift those up to you right now as well. Lord, give me a heart of love, a heart of forgiveness a heart of mercy. God, that you would speak to all of our hearts that in this time of self-examination that we would be able to see who we really are and what needs to change. And that you would give us the courage to pick up a sledgehammer and knock down those walls. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.